1: First, let me say that if you are not a bereaved parent and are listening to this, I want to give a huge thank you. Thank you for taking time to find out how to be there for your friend or loved one in a way that most people are not. If you are a bereaver, this episode will help you know that you are not alone in the thoughts and the feelings you have in this area of people being there for you. Now, I just used a word you may not be familiar with, and that's the word periever. So what or who is a periever? it comes from the root word of bereave. That root word is reave, And if you were to look that up, it means to plunder or rob, to deprive one of, to carry or tear away. And I don't know about you, but this sounds like a pretty good description to me of what happened when my daughter died. And it doesn't matter the age of the child, that's how we feel. So when you put the P-A in front of that, which comes from the word parent, and the O-R behind it, which indicates a person who does something, you get the word pa We are parents who've been deprived of our children, who were torn away from us through death, parents who are bereaved of our child. As I get started... I want you to know that I have been on this unwanted journey for over 10 years. And through our ministry, GPS Hope, Grieving Parents Sharing Hope, I have had direct contact with literally hundreds of other bereavers. So I think what I'll be sharing is pretty solid here. One of the hardest things for a grieving parent is to be with those who want to fix us by giving us advice. Things like, well, time heals all wounds. Or they give us a thought like, well, at least they're in a better place now. Or maybe a scripture. Remember, God promises to work everything out for our good, thinking that this is supposedly going to make us feel better. The thing is, unless you can bring my child back, you can't fix me and you can't make me better. I want to give you a really good suggestion here. And that is, if you have to start anything with the words, at least, then don't say it. At least you have other children. At least you got to have your child for 29 years. At least you know where they are. If you have to start with at least, then please just don't bother saying it. Many times in the first week or so, as pervers we may appear to others as very strong. We may not break down much. We may bravely speak at the funeral of our own child, giving the appearance that we're doing really well, I found myself in the line for, you know, people coming through to give condolences, that people were crying on my shoulder. I mean, it was my child who died, but I was consoling other people. And like I said, it gives the appearance that we're doing really well. And people may even tell us, oh, you're so strong. I just couldn't go through what you're going through. Like we have a choice in this. I didn't think I could go through it either. None of us do. Usually, though, we're pretty numb and we're living in the fog of autopilot. We know if we allowed ourselves to feel the full load of what has just happened, we would not be able to function. And that's exactly what happens when everyone else goes on with life a week or two later and we're left with the shock that this is real and our child is never coming back. Most people don't realize the death of a child is considered a trauma. It's traumatic Grief and therefore, the parent, if you're listening and you know a bereaver, the one that you're wanting to help is dealing with traumatic grief. And often there is PTSD that comes with it, depending on how the child died. And you may think it might just be if the parent saw it happen or found the body, and that's true, but you don't even have to have been there when your child died. It's the reenactment of it, of thinking of the fact that, you know, my child died and I wasn't there, and all kinds of things like that, that can add to that traumatic impact on us. And this is important to know both at the beginning and weeks and months and even years down the road. Now, I'm not asking you to be a therapist for us. You can't be, that's beyond you, but you can be our friend and we really need friends. Another thing most people don't know is that for those who've lost a child from this earth, five years and under is considered fresh grief. So please don't expect that parent to be back out into society, back to the way they were and living a normal life again for at least a good two or three years. And even when that does start to happen, life will never be the same for that parent. We are a different person now. When you think about it, It's like having an amputation. Our child has been amputated from us and that changes us as a person. We're not going to go back to the person we were before our child died. Can we get to the place where we're no longer a mess and we're able to live a life of purpose once again? Yes, but that is because we have journeyed through the grief on our own timetable, not on one that people around us think we should be on, especially those who have never faced grieving the death of their own child most people just don't understand that and they think come on it's been a year it's been two years you need to get past this it's such a different kind of grief and like i said five years and under is considered fresh grief so please give grace for that and for us bereavers, we have to give grace to ourselves for that because i know me it's i i would just cry out to god i just want to stop hurting so bad when is it going to stop hurting so bad and it takes a long time to work our way out of that suffocating darkness. Please be aware that we're going to have certain family events that will be just too painful to attend for, it could be many years, or maybe not at all, and we're going to have grief attacks that sneak up on us for the rest of our lives. So please don't take it personally if we can't attend a family event that our child should have been there and been a part of. It hurts. It really, really hurts, and we do our best, but sometimes we just can't, especially if it's around a certain time of year that is a trigger for us. And don't be afraid to talk about the child who has died, thinking you're just going to hurt the parent more and make them start crying. Yes, we may start crying, but I guarantee you that we're already thinking of our child, and we cannot hurt more than we already do. And even if it does make us cry, we would rather cry because people are remembering and sharing our child with us than cry because no one wants to talk about our deceased child with us. Another crucial thing is for grieving parents to connect with others who have been right where they are chances are pretty high that the grieving parent you know and love feels like no one understands what they're going through or understands the depth of their suffocating darkness that makes them want to leave this earth themselves even if it's obvious to you they still have so much to live for a lot of times other their other children we're not thinking straight, okay? Everything has changed in even physically. There are physical changes in our bodies and chemical changes in our brains and our immune system is compromised. It affects every part of our life. And I know for me, I didn't want to be here anymore. I had four other children, my daughter's daughter who had passed away, my granddaughter. I had another granddaughter, a wonderful loving husband. I had an international children's ministry that I loved but I just didn't want to be here anymore. I did not see how I could live a future without my daughter in it. And it's not that I was suicidal. Some are, but most of us were not suicidal. We just don't want to be here anymore. And we beg God to just take us. Just, you know, I don't want to wake up tomorrow. Those are just thoughts that we have because like I said, it's such a dark place. You can't see your way out and you can't imagine living the rest of your life in this kind of darkness. Remember, this is traumatic grief and things won't make sense even to us in our grief. Timing is important, but for most grieving parents, the sooner they can get connected to other bereaved parents who have been in that place and are further down the road and can be the light and the hope they need, then the less isolated and alone they feel, which is needed to move toward getting a place of hope and light and purpose once again. I know some people have the thought, just tell me what to say or what not to say. And if that's you, I will have a link in the show notes where you can request a free PDF of eight things not to say to a bereaved parent, and then it also has some things to say that are helpful. Unfortunately, our culture does not handle grief in a way that is helpful to those of us who have faced a deep loss. They often see it as an event instead of the process it is, which can take weeks and months and years to not be deeply affected by that loss, especially the death of one's child. And it doesn't matter the age of the child. Most people push us away as our continued pain and tears make them uncomfortable. And we're told we should be over the death of our child by now. It's like just stab us in the heart and twist the knife, please. It's like you're saying, just forget about your child. So we learn to wear a mask and to say that everything's fine. Now, I did mention something, and I want to come back to that. Physically, there are changes in our body. We have a compromised immune system causing us to pick up sicknesses easily. Our brains go through chemical changes causing us to be easily confused and klutzy and extremely forgetful. Emotionally, we're very raw, we're easily upset, erupting suddenly into tears or anger. People around those of us who are in deep grief need to know how to allow for these things, especially the things that are hurtful to us that are said and done. And all of this for someone who's lost a child is for the first three to five years. Now, I know being forgetful, it's one of those things, oh yeah, I, I forgot where I parked. Yeah, I do that too. Ha ha ha. I'm telling you, it's like I I remember walking out from a store once and I didn't know where my car was. And I didn't even have any information in my brain to pull from to find it. I didn't even remember what door I walked in. I didn't remember driving to the store, much less where I parked. And I wandered around the parking lot crying, trying to find my car. So now, even 10 years later, I will park in the same area of a parking lot so that I know where my car is, at least where to wander, if I forget I remember driving somewhere and all of a sudden I forgot where I was going. Literally, I could not think of where I was going and I had to pull over to the side of the road and pull up my calendar to see if it told me where I was supposed to be going. Those kinds of things are common and they're scary to us. And this is surprising to most people because we do put on this mask and pretend like we're fine around other people because they don't have an open door to see behind the mask that we grieving parents are eventually, we're kind of forced to put on for others. And we, you know, we look fine to the world out there and then we go home and fall apart and we stay in bed or we cry all night. And since it becomes our duty to make the people around us comfortable with our pain, isn't that strange? It, it is. It's like we, we feel like it's our job to make you comfortable with my pain. And so we become experts at fooling those around us into thinking we're strong and that at some point we're okay and we've pretty much forgotten about our child, leaving them in the past like everyone else has. Obviously, that just doesn't happen. And what that means is that as grieving parents, we do a really good job of shutting others out of our world of darkness, confusion, and suffocating pain. Unless you've lost a child, you probably have no idea how many tears still fall years later and how painful it is to feel like no one cares or remembers that our child once lived here on this earth. Recently, I asked on our private Facebook page, who has had a non-perrever be an incredible person to lean on? What specifically did they do or not do that was such a help and a blessing to you? And has it been ongoing? And I want to read some of their responses to you. Someone says, One friend sent a card every month on the date of our son's passing and on special occasions, small gifts. On the first anniversary, she gave us a feather she had commissioned with some of his favorite things painted on it. Here's one. I have a wonderful friend. We started off as co-workers but became very close. She held me as I cried, never told me to get over it, and has always been there for me. She's told me if all I can do is cry, she'll listen to me cry. I couldn't ask for a better friend. I have a friend who wrote out scripture cards she thought would minister to me with purple pen, my daughter's favorite color, and gave them all to me for our one-year heaven anniversary, and she tied them with a purple ribbon. Now, my personal note on this one... I recently wrote a blog on the best Bible verses to share with a grieving parent, and I'll link to that in the show notes as well. But let me just say here that if you do something like that, make sure the verses are not all about getting the victory. You know, those kinds of things, pump you up kind of verses, but they are verses that remind them that God is in this dark valley with them. He's their stronghold. He's their anchor. He's their shelter in the time of storm, those kinds of things. And there is hope in him. Another one says, I have two friends who have always sent me messages of love and support on the anniversary of my son's death. Funny enough, I wouldn't have really called them friends before that, more acquaintances, but their faithfulness to remember my son with me on the hardest day of the year is really special. By the way, it's been seven years so far and they have not missed a single one. Also, the gift I cherish most is a scarf made by a childhood friend of my husband's she wrote in a little journal, words of encouragement, prayers, and scriptures that she meditated on while making every different color. So every row has a thought and a prayer associated with it. I so appreciate the time and emotional energy she invested into showing how much she cared. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? That someone would put that much time and thought into a special gift for a Here's one. I had two friends who were special blessings. One was at the hospital most days during my daughter's last two month long valiant battle in the hospital. She felt God told her to be there for me, and she really was. After my daughter died, apart from always being a listening ear, she sent me a text message every single morning for a whole year just to let me know that someone was thinking and praying for me. It meant so much, especially as time went on and others appeared to have forgotten. We're still very close friends, even though she has moved thousands of miles away. The other friend handmade and sent me a beautiful card every week. The best part was that she always wrote meaningful words and always, in big caps, mentioned my daughter's name. She, too, was a great listening ear and would help me navigate what the Bible said about what happened when I asked. (laughs) Those are also in caps. If someone comes to you for help, great, but... Just don't offer unsolicited advice to a grieving parent if you have not been on this journey. If they come to you, that's different. Another one says, My beautiful best friend talked to me for over an hour, three times the week my daughter died, and several other times the weeks following. Even though she's extremely busy and works long hours, she still made the time. She hardly knew my daughter, but she has gone through this pain with me. Caps there, big caps. She would meet me for coffee if I was having an extra hard day. She said she will never fully know what it's like, but she will always be there and listen any anytime I want to talk. She also made a large donation to charity in my daughter's name and gave me a locket with a picture of my daughter that I cherish and wear every day. Here's another one. My sister is always listening ear. After I laid out some initial rules of what not to say and to just listen, that's all I needed. That's what she's done. She's listened to everything and has avoided making comments that can be sensitive. She also educated herself on what not to say by reading about child loss. A young lady that I worked with took my favorite photo of my son and had a sweatshirt made with his silhouette on the front of it. It's my favorite shirt. I have other co-workers that when I want to talk about my son, they listen. And that's all I ask is for someone to just listen. Another young man that I work with came by to check on me right after my son died and just sat with me and let me talk about my son. He was so concerned he didn't want to go home and leave me alone. This next one is from a military mom, and she says, oddly enough, my ex, who was not my son's father, was the biggest help to me in the early days of my grief. He would listen to me scream and cry. He didn't try to fix me or the situation. He just listened and offered support in that way, especially when the anger kicked in. I was so mad at everyone around me and felt so alone, but he heard me though we don't speak much anymore, I am more thankful than he will ever know for what he did and didn't do during the first year after losing my son. I also want to add that he was able to get one of my boys to sneak out a small flag I had on my car during the funeral and made an amazing shadow box with the flag and the pictures of my son. Here's a good one. My daughter got a tattoo a week before her death. The artist reached out to me some months later after learning of her death and offered me a free tattoo, and I got hers duplicated. We began a beautiful friendship, and it's been such a positive friendship for me during a time when so many people were letting me down. Now, I have one last one here. There was one mom that shared something that she had heard from another parent that had written something out, and I just wanted to pass this one along as well, this thought and idea here. This mom's daughter died by suicide, and two friends from her church told her that they would be available to take a walk with her twice a week, the same day, same time each week. And if the mom felt up to it, she could come out and walk with them, and they could talk about her daughter, talk about insignificant things, or not talk at all. And if she didn't feel like walking that day, no hard feelings, but they would keep showing up. And they even went in and wrote it on her calendar for her for the next several months, which we all know as perivers how helpful that would be in our fog and despair. We have no idea what time it is. We have no idea what day it is. And so they would just show up at the end of the driveway. And if she came out and walked with them, fine. And if she didn't, they would go on without her with no questions asked, no guilt or judgment. Now, I'm going to read this next part of of this uh, story of what uh, these friends did word for word. And she says this mom felt seen and supported. She got out of the house into the sunshine and the rain at a time when walking on her own may have made her feel too exposed and vulnerable. Her friend's commitment to showing up and spending this time with her week after week, month after month, was an important acknowledgement that something significant and earth shattering had taken place they bore witness to her pain. I think of that scripture that as Christians, we're really good at rejoicing with those who rejoice, but we're not so good at weeping with those who weep or mourning with those who mourn. In case you haven't noticed, all of the things that I just shared from these other bereavers were very specific, and they were initiated by the non-periver. So many people throw out the typical words, let me know if you need anything, First, we don't even know what we need. Our brains are so scrambled and we're not really connecting to reality. And second, even if we knew of a need we had, it really, we don't feel safe to reach out to someone. We know our friends and families have busy lives. Our world has come to a screeching halt, but we know theirs hasn't, and we already feel weak and vulnerable, and we can't afford to be turned down from a generic offer to help us. We don't have the emotional bandwidth to hear someone apologize as to why they can't do something. You know, call me, let me know if you need anything, and then we might say, could you come get my child and take them to practice? We don't have the bandwidth to be told, oh, I really can't do that right now, I'm sorry. And, you know, you should probably do that yourself. It would be good for you to get out of the house. And so it's easier to just close ourselves in and fight our way through this ourselves. Now, I have sent a lot your way in this episode. Let me sum it all up by saying that the most important thing I can tell you is to just Be there for the parent who is facing the nightmare of the death of their child. Don't worry about coming up with comforting words. Don't feel like you have to be spiritual and remind them of scripture verses. They already know these verses. Just be there with a hug, with tears, with your presence. And instead of asking the periever what you can do for them, ask the Holy Spirit if there's anything you can do specifically for that periever that will make their journey feel a little less lonely, knowing that someone truly cares and wants to remember their child with them.
0: Hi, this is Dave, Laura's husband. Here at GPS Hope, along with the many resources we provide for grieving parents, you will find insight into the things a bereaver faces on a day-to-day basis that others don't think about, which explains why we will never just get over it and why we will never be the same person we were before the death of our child. You will find out why bereaved parents often isolate themselves even many years later. Knowing these things is critical for the long-term support of anyone who is in long-term grief. And the best way to be informed is to enter our world and be willing to help carry our pain, not try and get us to pretend it doesn't exist. Laura has written several award-winning books. One book was written specifically to help those around a bereaved parent have a better understanding of what it is like to lose a child by opening a door into our world of grief. Come Grief Through Our Eyes gives a greater understanding of our struggles through the eyes and words of dozens of bereaved parents, and based on this knowledge, gives specifics on how to offer true comfort and strength. All of her books can be found on the website or anywhere books are sold. We also have a GPS Hope YouTube channel with short, helpful videos and an Expressions of Hope blog, as well as a free members library. All of these are resources for grieving parents. But anything you find there will help someone who has never lost a child to understand how to help a bereaver, giving you things you can share with them when appropriate. Just go to gpshope.org to find these resources and more. And now I will return this back over to Laura for this week's birthdays.
1: Thanks, Dave. We really are a team, and he is the man behind the curtain, I like to call him here at GPS Hope. I could not do any of this without him. Here are this week's birthdays. Kyle Maroney was born on March 20th and is forever 23. Aaron Wright was born on March 20th and is forever 32. Joshua Aaron Smith was born on March 21st and is forever 21. Caleb Wickersham was born on March 23rd and is forever 25. Jacqueline Landry was born on March 24th and is forever 18. Wayland McRae was born on March 25th and is forever 17. Michael Young was born on March 26th and is forever 22. Jacob Vadari was born on March 26th and is forever 20. We celebrate with these families the day that these children came into the world. If you would like to have your son or daughter's birthday announced the week of his or her birthday, just go to gpshope.org birthdays, fill out the information and submit it. And please be sure to fill in the pronunciation section if the name has been known to be pronounced wrong because I really want to say your child's name correctly. And I will also have a link to that form to fill out for the birthdays in the show notes. Many of you may not know, but for the last 2 weeks I have been going live on an app called Wisdom to talk more about that week's podcast topic. It's almost like a call-in radio show because listeners can request to join me to ask questions or share their thoughts, and I would love to have you join me. I'm going to be on this coming Thursday, March 24th at 7:30 p.m. Now that's Eastern time, so you'll have to check your time zone according to that. And I'm going to be talking about this topic, about how to help us as bereaved parents. Now, I will share the talk on our private Facebook page that is only for bereavers, which I will put a link to in the show notes. If you request to join this private page, be sure to answer the three questions or you'll be declined. And you'll be able to listen in that way on the Facebook page, but only those who are on the phone app will be able to get on and talk with me. And right now, unfortunately, the app is only on Apple on iPhone, but it is coming soon for Android phones. So don't forget, put it on your calendar for March 24th, 7 30 p.m. Eastern time zone. And the first week, I had several people get on with me, and it was really great. Last week, I just talked. No one hit the talk button to talk with me. So I hope this week that several of you will hop on to help me discuss this topic. I want to close by reading something I wrote a few years ago, and it's called Reaching Out with Hope. People crying, children dying, you don't know, you don't know what is about to happen. The loss is huge. It is dark. You will be thrown into the abyss, darkness, suffocation, never getting out until, until someone brings hope, until someone brings a flicker of light, until someone yells out, hello, I have been down there. Take my hand. No, let me come down and be with you. I will cry with you. I will hurt with you. I will stay with you. And while I am there, I will infuse hope in you, hope that you can get out, Hope that helps you see the light. Hope that you can live again beyond the death of your child. There you go. Here I come. But it isn't me. It is God in me, reaching out to you with hope. And as always, let me remind you to hope. Hold on. Pain eases. There is hope in the Lord.